Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that our identity flows not from what we do, but what you have done. Lord God, we thank you for grace that has been revealed in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. We thank you that having believed, we've now been adopted into your eternal family and you are our father and we are your children and you have called us to go deeper still. And I pray today as we open your word and as we seek to understand and then live in obedience to it, that our, our hearts would be strengthened, that, that your gospel would, would be, be more to us than, than what it was just even an hour ago, that, that we might delight in, in serving you. So God, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at a text um, that most uh, believers live in disobedience to. And so rather than just explaining what it says and then encouraging you to simply do it, I, I'm going to seek to make a case for why you should do what the Scripture says. Because as I said, many Christians have, have determined that this does not apply to them and therefore they will not live in obedience to the Father according to what it teaches. And so I don't want to just teach it. Over the years, I've just taught it. And, and just kind of left it. And, and I have found that it, that has not been very helpful and it has not been very successful. So to begin this morning, I need you to hang with me. I want to make a case for why we should live in obedience to this. And I'm going to teach what the word says that we are to do. And to, to do this, we've got to understand freedom. Freedom is a glorious gift. Everyone in this room has the capacity to choose, and that choosing is an act of freedom. But understand, freedom is a two-edged sword. Freedom is a two-edged sword. You are free not only to something, but from something. And every choice that you and I make, we are making a choice to something, which dictates that we are making a choice from something. And we want every one of our choices to, to bring about a blessing, to bring about human flourishing and not human suffering. And so when we look back on our nation and we look at two choices that were made about freedom, we see the difference. We see in our independence from Britain, we see a choice that was made to freedom from slavery. And rather than being in bondage to, to those on the other side of the pond, uh, we chose to be independent and therefore to be able to pursue freedom and opportunity. Then you take the decision that was made by the Confederate States and their desire for independence. And what we see there was a freedom to choose slavery and, and to go away from freedom and allowing individuals to be what God created them to be. And so both are choices, both are choices for independence. One led to human flourishing, the other one leads and led to human suffering. Every choice is a freedom to something and from something. Your choices and my choices matter. And every free choice comes with restrictions. So having made a choice, there's always going to be something to be gained and then something to be lost. It is crucial to understand freedom is both to and from. Our world is a broken place because of freedom. In the garden, our federal head, those who represented us and made the choice that we have continued to make from this point, 
uh, forward determined they wanted to be free from the leadership and determination of God. And they wanted to be free to choose their own moral and ethical code. That choice led to human suffering. That choice has led to pain and brokenness. We all make choices. Every choice there comes with that freedom to pursue something. It is a to something, and it is also a from something. What God has called us to is a freedom to human flourishing and away from suffering and brokenness. We can only do that by the power of God. Apart from God, we will always be in bondage to sin. What, what is sin? Sin is our choosing our way instead of God's. Please understand. Understand what sin is. Sin, sin always costs you more than you wanted to pay. It, it, it always, it always takes you further than you intended to go. And it always gives you less than what it promised. God wants so much more for us. He wants us to make choices that are free towards something so much better and away from sin. And that's why Christ entered the world. We were made, we were designed by God to live in a freedom where we looked away from sin and toward Christ. But we've chosen sin. Adam and Eve chose sin. We have since chose sin in every generation. Everyone in this room, we all chose sin and that sin has created brokenness. But here's God's grace. He has come to free us to choose his authority, his love, his forgiveness, so that we can recover and pursue God's design. Outside of the gospel of God, we will always be in bondage to sin. We will always get a life that takes us further in the wrong direction than we wanted to go, that, that costs us more than we wanted to pay, and gives us far less than what our soul needs. It is only in the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ that we are free to pursue and recover God's design. We have the freedom to choose. We have to choose toward something and from something. Understand, you are right now making that choice. You will tomorrow make that choice. Every day you are alive, you're choosing what you will be free from and free to. In Christ alone, we become slaves to something that blesses, and we are free from that which kills. Uh, it says in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 and 18, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Check this. Sin is, is, is from God and it is toward pain. To choose Christ is to choose life and, and to walk away from death. Uh, go on to the, to the next part. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of or to righteousness. Salvation is not simply forgiveness of your sin, although that is a crucial component. Salvation is freedom to have a right standing with God because your sin is forgiven so that you can now walk away from sin to Christ. 
God's design. Every choice, every free choice you and I make, it is a freedom to something and it is also a freedom from something. Sin keeps us from being and enjoying the best things that God has to give us. Sin keeps you and me from being blessed by God. Is it comfortable? Sometimes. See, that's the thing about sin. It is laced with the candy of comfort, but underneath it is the poison of death. Christ has come to reveal through his word the, 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 the poison that is there and to remove the candy coating. And that's what I want to do today. It's what I'm trying to do by, by making this, this very long, I know, and drawn out point that you and I have freedom. And that freedom is important because it determines what we're going to be free from and what we are going to be free to. And, and what God is calling us to is a life that is free to obey him, to pursue and recover God's design, which is a freedom from brokenness and sin. We have to choose. If you choose Christ, there will be restraints on your life. Those restraints are the means by which God's best blessings come. So to be a follower of Jesus Christ means you are walking away from flesh, from sin, to Christ. To pursue Christ is to accept restraints, to accept a, 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 a funnel, if you will. It is to accept a, a, a mean by which your life has less, but in pursuing the less you gain the more. And without Christ, you will never gain what God created you to have and to be. So one of the restraints that God places on our lives when we become followers of his is that he constrains us and restrains us to be active members of a local church family. Now, how is that restraining? Well, for instance, we're all here on a Sunday morning where we, and we could be somewhere else. So you've made a choice. Freedom from something in a worldly way to bring glory and praise to God. There's a blessing in that. There's a blessing that you're getting right now if you're really paying attention that, that, that you could not get any other way by being here, by being present with the body. God calls us to restrain ourselves from the things that we think will satisfy us to the things that really will. And one of those is engagement in the local church. Now, here's what I know. Most of you don't buy it. Most of you have determined that your Christian life is about you. And it is not necessary for you to be connected in a group, to be serving God's purpose, to be engaged in the work of the gospel. Most of you are not and I want to tell you, because you're not, because of your freedom to choose that, you are missing out and you're causing others to miss out on a glorious blessing. And that's the blessing we see in our text today. We see this glorious good that God brings about as we choose to restrain ourselves and to be connected in a local body of believers. Because here, guys, listen, we're better together. We serve better together. And without the body, you and I will never fulfill our destiny. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Having made something of a case of the why, not all of it, I still have some more I want to I show you. Let's go ahead and get into the text. Uh, uh, Cade Stevens is going to read for us. Cade, did you make it? There he is. Come on up, bud. Um, 
read instead this time. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Read instead this time. Just read verses 12 and 13. Do you have that? Yeah, I gave you a whole lot last time. And it was kind of, <laughs> I gave him like a chapter, all right? So we're, gonna, we're just going to go down. Just do 12 and 13, and then we'll dive in from there. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body many, er, through many are one body, so it is just with Christ. For in one spirit we are ba all baptized in one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all we are made to drink from, of one spirit. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Kate. Thank you so much. If you would go ahead and, and be seated. Now let's, let's think about this a little bit. God did not design us to live in isolation. Many of you who claim to be Christians are living in isolation. Many, oh no, I broke my sermon illustration. It'll be okay. I don't know what this part goes to. We will find out later. Some of you are like this part to this glorious creation. We'll talk about this in a minute. I don't know where to put this. I feel like, I feel like the guy doesn't know what to do with his hands in an interview. All right, I'm just gonna set it right there. Remind me where that goes. When God created the world, he said everything was good except one thing. Do you remember the one thing before the fall that God said was not good? What was not good? For man to be alone. Look at Genesis. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Some of you, followers of Jesus Christ, are seeking to live your Christian life in isolation. And it does not work that way. You can choose it. You can choose to go away from community and toward isolation, but in so doing, you are not only limiting yourself, but this body of believers. See, you and I, you and I each have unique strengths, and built into those strengths are inherent weaknesses. And so long as you are living in isolation in your own Christian life, your weaknesses will begin to become so blaring that they will keep you from, from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. And at the same time, because your strengths are not being incorporated into this body of believers, many of us, we will not be able to fulfill all that God wants for us because our weaknesses are, are meant to be offset by your strengths. And if you're not engaged in the body, then all of us suffer. All of us miss out on what it is God alone can do. And so understand the way God works is God takes that which is dissimilar and connects it. And that connection is part of the huge blessing of God. We live in a culture where the lone hero is celebrated. It is a false myth that we must recognize and put away from the way in which we think about success in life. True success will only happen in covenant community in Christ. And here's why. You are limited just like me. You have strengths. What some of you have been taught, I was taught this. You were taught, we were taught that we have strengths and weaknesses. And what we need to do is we need to work on our weaknesses so that our weaknesses no longer set us back so that we can be independent and be strong on our own. And that is, that is a wrong way to live, personally and professionally. It took me a doctorate degree to realize this. 
Some people think people with doctorates are smarter. We're just slower learners. We just need more information to figure out what most of you already know. I wrote a dissertation and in that I found this to be true, but here's the sad part. The first chapter of my dissertation was 42 pages long. I had a bibliography of 12 pages. It, it's, it spanned 3,200 years and my entire thesis was wrong. Ever wrote 42 pages to realize that everything you just wrote was wrong? It's not helpful or hopeful. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Here's what I discovered. I, I thought and believed that we were supposed to be, each one of us individually as leaders, are meant to be just like Jesus. But we're not. At the eight o'clock service, I had people gasp. I'm glad you didn't. Because you're just trusting me in this, or some of you are asleep and you should wake up. We're, we cannot be just like Jesus. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this about the leadership of Jesus Christ. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten son, to look at this, look at his offices of leadership, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king. I wrote 42 pages saying that a leader must function as a prophet, priest, and king. I did research that spanned 3,200 years, almost 30 different leaders, and guess what I found? I found that there's only one person who has ever been able to be prophet, priest, and king, and that was Jesus Christ. What I discovered was each one of us are primarily one of these offices and secondarily another, and then we learn and discipline ourselves to function in the third. So Jesus Christ is the perfect prophet, visionary communicator, priest, service impact, and king, process organizer. So what this means is this, guys. For instance, I am a, am, am a prophet. I'm a prophet and somewhat a king, and I've learned to be a priest. But I'm not a very good priest, and I'm not a very good king. And, and this is what I do naturally. Is, is to share vision. So, so, so when there's something that's wrong, for instance, someone walks into the office, there's a group, there's staff there, someone walks in with a bowl of popcorn and they spill the popcorn everywhere. Here's my contribution to the meeting at that point. Hey, you spilled popcorn in my office. That's what a prophet does. We point out the obvious and everyone says, duh. I know every Sunday you leave, duh. It says that in the Bible. Well, that's what we do. We just point out the obvious. Kings... Kings get in the, and when, when someone spills a popcorn, they say, how did this popcorn get spilled? Is there a tear in the carpet? We need to create a system. We need to create some policies and procedures so that there is never another spilled popcorn in this office to the praise of the king. Not this king, but the king of kings. The priest says, are you okay? Don't be embarrassed. We love you. Everyone spills popcorn. Come here, I want to hug you. That's what the priest does. I'm not a priest. I don't like policies, but I can state the obvious. So I bring around me a team. So when you look at our elder body, you see an elder body made of prophets, priests, and kings. When you look at our staff, you see a staff of prophet, priest, and king. And, and here's what God does. God brings people that are different and connects them in order that their strengths can be maximized and their weaknesses offset by others' strengths. This happens in marriage. So my wife and I are similar but different. I am a prophet, king, 
She is a queen priest. So my job is to tell everybody how it's gonna be. And then I say, and here's the system to do it. And my wife says, that's a good system, but here's the real system we're gonna use. <laughs> and by the way, we love you. <laughs> it is because of her queenly, priestly presence that my children are alive today. Because as a prophet, I, I see what we gotta do. We gotta do this and here's how it's gotta be. But together, Together, we're, be able, we're able to offset each other's weaknesses with our strengths only in as much as we are connected. The scripture tells us plainly that we are all different, but God's design is that we be connected so that our differences formed into one body create a strength. Here's what some of you are doing. You are living in isolation from the body of Christ. And in so doing, you are living in dependence upon just your strengths. You're trying to shore up your weaknesses, but not enough to offset the real challenge you're facing in your life. And so you're losing the battle. And in as much as you are not connected in this church, you and your strengths are not there to offset our weaknesses. And because you're not connected, the whole body, the whole body is under-resourced and ineffective in the degree to which God has called us to be. Let me give you some practical examples. Some of you do not serve the body of Christ with your gifts. Some of you do not give financially to the work of the church. Some of you do not pray every single day for God to be at work through the ministries of this congregation. Some of you are not involved in a small group, a group of friends where you dig into the word, where you nurture one another, where you, where you seek to uh, advance the kingdom of God. And you think, well, that's okay because, because you know, really, I, you know, I don't really need that. I, you know, I don't need to gather for worship every Sunday, and I don't really need to be in a group, and I, you know, I don't really need to serve, and I sure don't really need to tithe, and, you know, it's just, I mean, my part's not going to be a big deal. And, and you say, that's what some of you are saying to yourselves. I mean, just hear me. You're, you're deceived. Not only do you need to serve and give and connect and to offer your life as a strength to others, Others need you. And what happens is this. When you're connected and you're using your strengths, those weaknesses that are there, those that you're connected with, they offset your weaknesses with their strengths. And the body is healthy. Living Hope is a blessed church. Make no doubt about that. We're not as strong as we should be because there are believers sitting in this room right now who think that this scripture does not apply to them. And I want to tell you it does. And I want you to understand, until you live in obedience to what God's word says right here, you will never fulfill your destiny or your purpose in life. At the same time, so long as you're not living in obedience to this, we as a church family will never fulfill all that God wants us to accomplish to the praise of his great name. So the things that we're about to talk about here in the next few minutes, understand, if you refuse compliance to the king of heaven, you're not just hurting you, you're hurting us. And you will be held accountable for it.
So let's understand the text now to make sure that we, we understand what we're supposed to do. Write this down. In our text, we see as a church, we serve better together. And we serve better together when we're connected in these three ways. The first is this. We serve better together in Christ, connected in unity. We are unified not because of our looks, not because of our nationalities, not because of our education, socioeconomic background. We are unified in the Spirit of God under the head, Jesus Christ. And so you look at the, that verses 12 through 13 that Kate just read, and, and it's very simple. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your place in life. We are all made to drink of one Spirit. We are one body through saving faith in Jesus Christ, our head. We are the body, he is the head. Uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse 22 and 23. And he, God the Father, put all things under his feet, God the Son, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head. What unifies us is the Spirit of God who brings us life and by faith in Christ, we are made a part of the body. Are you a member of the body of Christ? I know when you're saved, you are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. And you have a right standing with God for all of eternity. You are also called in that moment to function as a member of a local church. And in order to do that, you have to make a public profession of your saving faith in Jesus Christ. You have to be baptized. And if you are not baptized, there's no way we, as a local body of believers, can know that you're really a believer. And there's no way we can connect with you. The first act of obedience for any believer is baptism. Think about it like this. Baptism is putting on the uniform of the team. How silly would it be if you were watching a, a, a sports event, let's say a basketball game, and you saw four players out there and one of them did not have the uniform on that the others had on. I mean, imagine that you're called to be a Bowling Green Purple. And I pray for those of you who are. And so let's say you're called to be on a team with a Bowling Green Purples. And you say, I love the team, I love the coach, but I don't think I look very good in purple so I don't think I'm gonna wear it. You can't play if you don't wear the uniform. You can't be a member of the body of Christ. And I, you're not gonna believe some of the excuses I've heard as to why they can't be baptized. One of the ones that's the funniest in the world to me is they say, well, I don't wanna be in front of all those people with my hair wet. And I say, at least you have hair. <laughs> you know how hurtful that is? You know, they say, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be up in front of all those people. What do you think heaven's going to be like? You on some kind of sidewalk over here with the rest? No, you're going to be with a big body of believers. And I promise you, you're going to want to be there. And you're going to be celebrated and celebrate what Christ has done. That's what baptism is. It's celebrating Christ and what he's done in your life. It's putting on the uniform so that you can be a part of the visible local church, so that you can be recognized as a part of the body under the head. This is the work of God. This is the, this is the power of God, and it happens in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. It is the Spirit of God that holds us and in holding us, holds us together. We are called by God to be a body under the head, Jesus Christ. Our unity is in the Spirit of God in our profession of faith in Jesus Christ. So when we have this unity, this con when we're connected in unity, the second thing happens, write it down. We serve better together in Christ, connected in diversity. So look at verse 14 through 20. And let this remove, please let this remove all of your excuses. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where's the sense of hearing? If the whole body were near, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in, in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. We are one body with many parts. Listen, if God has called you to be an eye, don't try to be an ear because you'll be terrible at it. But if you're an eye, you need to be connected to a body where there is an ear, otherwise you're deaf. If you are a foot, don't complain that you're not a mouth. Don't worry the fact that you're not a mouth. If you are a king, priest, and your, your life is about doing, don't worry about the responsible to, to stand and proclaim the gospel uh, as, as a preacher, as a teacher. It's not your thing. You're probably terrible at it, right? But you know what? The teacher may be very terrible at the very thing which you are best at. We've got to understand, we are all put together to form into what God wants to accomplish. The, the illustration is this. This is, for some of you who do not know, this is a moon marble transporting vehicle. Now, if you spent the afternoon building the moon and the rocket, but did not take the extra 10 minutes to make the marble moving transporting vehicle, you've just wasted a whole afternoon. Because if you can't move the marble from the moon, what's the use, right? Now, I want you to understand that this, this gorgeous design that allows this marble to be moved requires all kinds of different parts. If everyone wants to be a will, this is not gonna be a very good transport vehicle. If everyone wants to, wants to be the one sitting in the chair, this thing's not gonna go anywhere. I want you to know, almost every single one of these parts is different. I genuinely do not know where this part goes right now. But there is a book that actually tells me where this part is supposed to go. And if I have time, I will find it, I will take a picture of it, and I will put it on Instagram for those of you who are perfectionists out there and this is driving you nuts right now. But understand, every single one of these parts on its own, it's not very effective. Connected, this becomes something in playtime that is very useful. You are a part of the body. On your own, you can never accomplish what God wants to do. Connected, your strengths offsets others' weaknesses, and their weaknesses are offset by your strengths. And until the entire body acknowledges what each member is to be, and then goes out and does it with great commitment, the body will never 
be what we're supposed to be. Now understand, every choice, I'm just gonna put it there for right now. Well, no, it doesn't connect, I'll figure that out later. Understand, every choice is to and from something. To choose to be in Christ is to choose to reject an isolated life. Accepting that restraint that keeps you connected with other people actually enables you to fulfill God's design for you. If you are not connected in the body using your strengths and gifts, not only have you hurt your capacity, you've hurt the capacity of this body. What you can do is crucial to the rest of us. And if you refuse to connect, and if you refuse to give, and if you forget, if you refuse to do what God has called you to do, it's not gonna just hurt you, it's gonna hurt all of us. There must be unity in this diversity as we are committed and connected to choose the freedom of being who God made us to be. Now that comes with an intentionality, write it down. We serve better together in Christ connected in intentionality. Verse 21 through 27. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we just bestow the great honor, greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. For which, which of our, our presentable parts do, do not require? But God has, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there are many that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Look at this verse 25. What's the purpose? What's our intentionality? But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. God has a very clear purpose for the church. The first is the praise of his great name. When you are not here on Sunday to bring him glory on his day in his house, you're not only robbing him, but you're removing from us the inspiration of seeing you give testimony to the reality of the greatness of God. You say, oh, it's a big church. It, it won't matter if I'm not there. It does matter. Because the more that are here, the more proof that our God is as great as the word of God says he is. And when you can be here and you choose not to, freedom. You choose to pursue something and that something is less than what God wants from you and what you're walking away from is giving glory and praise to God and blessing to us. Not only are we here, not only does the church exist to bring glory to God, but also to, to give care to its members. When you are not here, there are some who are called to give care to you. And when you're not here, they can't, they can't, they can't fulfill their purpose. Every Sunday afternoon, I ask my wife, how did the preschool world go? And she always has stories about your children and your grandchildren. And they love my wife and they tell her what's really going on. <laughs> but there's confidentiality agreements in the preschool, so don't worry. But you know what? There are Sundays, every Sunday, when she'll say, but you know, so-and-so wasn't there. I wonder if they're okay. She loves every one of those children. She loves to teach them and hug them and pray with them and sing with them. 
And when your child's not here, she misses out on that opportunity. You also, when you're not here and you're not serving your purpose, there are some who are not being sung to. There are some who are not being greeted. There are some who are not being loved. We are here not only for the glory of God, but to serve one another. And then to leave this place and go and make disciples of all nations. We are to be strengthened in the cause of Christ so that we will go out and say, come, come and be a part of what God's doing in our family. Come, come and hear us praise our great and mighty God. Come hear the teaching of his word. Come and hear us pray to this mighty God. Come and see the testimony of this family as we care for one another and love one another, as we are connected as the body of Christ and present to them the gospel and the choice and the freedom to walk away from sin and to enter into a righteous way of life that blesses them so that their strengths are multiplied and their weaknesses are offset and their heart is filled with love and the, and the purpose of God for their life can be fulfilled. Let me ask you something. Are you a member of Christ? If you have not repented of your sin and turned to him, friends, you are a lost Lego in a world of pain. Christ has called you. He will redeem you. And then he will connect you. Let me ask you, are you connected in the body of Christ? Are you serving? Are you giving financially? Are you praying daily for the ministry? Are you in a small group? Are you giving care to a group of people where you're digging into the word? If not, hear me very plainly. You are in disobedience to God. You think that this text does not apply to you. And so you are walking away isolated, thinking you're self-righteous, and you are in disobedience. Third, are you helping others get connected? It's not enough that you know Christ. It is not enough that you are connected. Are you helping others connect? Are there members of our body that you know that aren't connected? Are you reaching out to them to get them where they're supposed to be? There are brothers and sisters all over this city today that we're responsible for. Are you talking to them? Will you reach out to them today? And there are those who are far from God, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you hang out and play. They need to know that God loves them, died for them so that they can believe, so that they can be saved, so that they can be formed into a member of this body and so that they can fulfill the purpose for which God made them. Friends, this is big stuff. This is no small matter. If we are not gonna live in obedience to this, we, we are going to hurt one another and we're gonna cause, we're gonna cause more suffering to exist because we refuse to be that body that goes and brings the healing hope of Jesus Christ. It begins in the house of God. It begins with you and me making choices about what we're going to be free to do. What's your choice? I want you to tell God about it today. I want to encourage you as we're singing about the faithfulness of God. I want to welcome you to come forward, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, fine. Let me ask you right now though, Tell God what your choice is. Tell him, yes, I will live in obedience to you or no, I will not live in obedience to you. And then make your case for why you will or you won't. And then we're gonna close the service. So let's stand together as we pray.
Lord God, I pray that all over this room right now, there are men and women and children who are choosing right now to pursue the freedom that comes in Christ alone, that they will receive your forgiveness and your grace and your leadership, that they will follow through in living out the restraints that come with being a member of the body of Christ. We must restrain our time, our energy, our money, our prayer life, all those things, God. But it's in restraining them and connecting with your will and your people that we fulfill our destiny and our weaknesses are offset with their strengths and you're glorified in your body. God, would you right now, would you hear the prayers of those who commit themselves to you? Would you convict those who will not? And would you bring glory to yourself in forming us into a healthy body that accomplishes all that you have for us? You are faithful, God. We are not so regularly. May we now commit to faithfulness to you. In Christ's name, amen. Let's sing together. Come and pray as the Lord leads you.